0: Thank you so much. We're live on air. Welcome to eight plus ten watchdogs number seventy-one. I think it's seventy-one. Seventy-one. And before we start, yeah, um, we have to. I think we should elaborate a bit on the clubhouse after party that we had. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah, that yeah, was yeah, really yeah. fun. And people complained it was too short. Yeah. We had some learnings. Just uh, we we just kick it in, but but for people not in the know, we started uh, this Monday with an experiment. We took the topic that we discussed in the latest podcast, which was Rolex sleepers, especially the Explorer Two, mm-hmm. and we organized an after party on this new social network, Clubhouse. If you haven't heard of it, please investigate because it's fun. On Clubhouse, you can just sit down and talk to a larger group of people. So actually we can involve you listeners in our discussion. And the test turned out to be uh, pretty exciting, fun. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, we had
1: some good people there. You know, we had Adrian for Bark and Jack. We had Spanish Rob. You know, some good people taking, uh, uh, you know, Really great discussions, Patrick and Simeon as well from our own team. But uh, it was it was fun. I ended it though after thirty minutes, and I understand people got a little. Hey man, they did an like after go- after party yeah. when we
0: <laughs> left. Yeah, an after party after party. <laughs> <laughs> but from now on, please note in your agendas uh, when you hear this podcast tonight at eight o'clock on Clubhouse. Yeah, we do an after party, and your. We love to hear your opinion. You're invited. Please check and do.
1: I think we actually did promise to do
0: an after party every Monday now. Yeah, we do. We're going to be so busy. We're going to be busy, but it's, yeah, we're busy with Talking Watches. And the topic that we're going to discuss with you tonight and now with the two of us is… Not tonight.
1: Oh, on Clubhouse. Yeah. Oh Jesus! All it's these new uh, platforms and times of the day. So it's mind-boggling, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you mean that this podcast will be featured in the morning of today, and today tonight, we will be in Clubhouse.
0: Yeah, <laughs> eight o'clock, eight p.m. European Central Time. Just can't get rid of us. And you know, let's now uh, go into dream mode, Christian. Okay, let's assume that. Um, Bossman is in a very good mood uh, and you have unlimited funds to buy your perfect grail top three of watches
1: i like how you jump directly from clubhouse to dreamland yeah dreamland is
0: not a new platform for social media but uh let's just stick to dreamland dreamland unlimited budget top three uh, one restriction you have to live the rest of your life with those three watches. Mm-hmm. So it should be a balance between things you wear every day, things you dream of, things you you cherish for special occasions. Three watches. Yeah. Let me know.
1: The first one still, since I saw it in Geneva in August 2020, the Greubel balance sheet S. See, and we need to explain why we are choosing these watches. My why on the balance sheet is is uh, Graviforcey has been uh, a somewhat not. I haven't really understood the brand. Mm-hmm. I understand what they did. Uh, I understood that uh, since they, they were founded in two thousand and four, they came out with extreme complications, handmade everything. The knowledge from from uh, Renault Papi. I mean, they, they were just something brand new and exciting and super complicated. When the GMTS was, I saw it the first time in Dubai Watch Week in 19, 2019. And all of a sudden I saw a sports watch from Royal 4, with a curved case with in titanium. Actually, before we did this podcast, we were talking about titanium because there's a rumor about Patek Philippe and Nautilus. Let's not go there. Exactly. So titanium curved, it's a 45 millimeter case on the GMT Sport as well as the Balanchier. I'm going to stick to the Balanchier. It's a 45 millimeter case. But the perfect ergonomics of this design makes it sit on pretty much any wrist. Yeah. Big or small. Um, And then... It is truly a dream. I think they're only going to do 12 pieces per iteration of it. So there's going to be one with a with blue details, something like that. But the first one I saw was pretty monochromatic. Um, I love titanium. I used to be crazy about uh, Richard Mill, but it's too many art materials and colors and it's too plasticky. Sorry, Richard. Grab the say, are my new Richard Mill. Yeah. And, and I could keep on talking about those two watches, GMT Sport and Balanchies, uh, but I shouldn't. But that's my number one. Back to you, boss man.
0: Okay. My number one. Um, for my number one, the, it's the watch that reflects the pure passion for horology to me. So this is not a watch that I would wear every day. This is that will be later. This is a watch that I dream of because it has everything. It has passion, it has the story of a watchmaker doing giving his vision, creating something beautiful in a more traditional way. And actually my top 3 uh, consists of six watches and when I started thinking a bit longer it was 9 and then 12. So I really had to <laughs> deduct but in 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 mentioning this I had to Choose between the master that I always dream of, which is F. B. Joan ah, yes. but actually I went for the alternative that for me is even more per, close to me personally, and that is the Acrivia AK06. Uh, Rexap is the um, the former master pupil of François Bajon, yeah. and what he is doing is it's yeah it has an it's an emotional connection to me what he's doing. So the AK-06 would be my first watch um, to cover the pure passion for horology and for watchmaking.
1: I think what makes this one special, it does not have a tourbillon. No, no. Which uh, many of his other Yeah, actually
0: did. this was the AK-06 was the first Acrevia without a tourbillon. Exactly. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think the Tourbillon is even more expensive. This is from an Acrivia perspective, the entry level timepiece. Yeah. What is entry level on a AK01? In price wise. Yeah. It's um, I think it's seventy thousand Swiss francs. This one. Yeah. So he's still producing the O6. Yeah, yeah, it's in the in the catalog. Yeah. Different iterations. I, I think, remember we I saw one. I think
1: you have to you have to wait a few years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Uh, <laughs> But it's okay, you know, because when you get this watch, the pandemic will be behind us. And you can pick it up in person while having a glass of wine with the young red sip of Acribia.
0: Okay, Rex, I hope the day will come, and then uh, I will join you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, your number two, Christian.
1: My number two is discontinued for many years already. It's the Patek Philippe. Uh, It's a perpetual calendar. Uh, It's the 5970. It's... Still Lemania-driven, I know that, uh, but there's nothing wrong with that movement. It has a perfect size. It's around 40 millimeters. I would go for the rose gold version. And one of the reasons why I love this one, besides that I like Patek Philippe a lot, is um, the legibility. Everything makes sense. The font used, even on the on the smaller complications, you can read that, uh, even with my weakened eyesight. Um, and it's just a really stunning watch. It has been a dream watch for me for many, many years. Actually, a local retailer asked me when he realized that I got my 3700 Nautilus. No, so mm-hmm. He asked me if I wanted to trade. See, the, the 3700 was so new to me. Yeah. Really a childhood dream yeah, come true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And I was, no, come on, man. I don't want to do that. And back then, you know, the, the, the 5970 was up here and the 3700 was down here. But now it's it's kind of like balancing. even ground. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. Of course I wouldn't do that. I would rather keep my 3700 and then buy the 5970. It's a super elegant watch and it pretty much has complications that I really like. Chronograph, perpetual calendar, 40 millimeters, a great and proven Limania movement. Um, great watch, Rose Gold.
0: Good choice. Your second? My second uh, is going to be an Uhrwerk. Oh, but you're wearing an Uhrwerk? Yes. And uh, I, I had to choose between two. Either this one, uh-huh. because it's the archetype Uhrwerk. I think is. the the U- UR 103 is the most important watch in the history of Uhrwerk, And also in the history, in the modern history of let's say, avant-garde, contemporary watch design. So from a design perspective, and that's why I would choose this watch, it's so completely different, it's so wearable, and it's so much reflecting the vision of two guys who changed the face of watch history in the 21st century uh-huh. that I would choose this one. My alternative would have been the, the urbeck EMC, which okay. is more complicated. That's basically a watch that combines... Uh, electromagnetic timing with mechanical timing so what you can do on a daily basis you can balance the uh, precision of your mechanical watch uh, by comparing it to the uh, uh, electro watch hmm. you have these these devices in in with watchmakers where you can check whether it's 5 seconds too fast per day or 5 seconds too slow yeah. well actually Urwerk made that within one watch it's brilliant but it it would have been uh my second choice you have to
1: show me a picture of that one uh because i'm i think i know which one it is uh of course it's going to be on the screen here uh, as well but i i just have to look it up uh but when was when was the first time you realized that that was that
0: Urwerk would be the the brand for you i think it was in the in the early 2010s it was already, I, I knew them already from the start. I followed them. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in 2010, when actually the production of the U- or 103 was already terminated and mm-hmm. they had, um, I think, the 210, then they came on my radar okay. as being an attractive brand. Excellent. And actually, only only in the recent year, it grew into one of my top favorite brands. So I have two, you have two. What would be number three? uh
1: 6542 first generation rolex gmt master uh of course with the i don't know how you pronounce this bakelite or backlit
0: Bakelite Bakelite. oh that's the mid-dutch but bakelite uh, maybe but becker Bakelite. <laughs> yeah um
1: i like that watch because it's a purpose watch I think, actually, it was, it was produced in 1954, but it was not shown on Basel World in I think, it, at least Rolex claims it's a 1955 watch. It's not a big watch. It's like the first Submariner and the first Milgauss. It was around 37 millimeters. Um, but it, it was just, it was the beginning of something big. You know, the transatlantic flights with, uh, with Pan Am. Okay, you know yeah. pilots yeah. working in two different time zones, flying from I don't know from New York to London, uh, you know, creating jet lag and, and doing it in, in 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 jet machines. You know, it was all of a sudden it was it was fast. We're not talking Lindbergh in in 1927 in a single engine uh, Spirit of St Louis mm-hmm. uh, wearing a Weems uh, watch. <laughs> I mean, th- this is this is new times. Uh, new airplanes, uh, larger crews. You and I could go from New York to London and, and you know, be shopping without sleeping. And yeah, something yeah. happened with that watch. Yeah, and yeah. it's still a useful watch. You can put on your 6542 first generation, unless, of course, it's full of radium. Uh, most of the bezels were changed by Rolex because they contained radium. Yeah. So they would actually... You know, if you put a Geiger counter on it, yeah. you go, um, oh, whatever Geiger counter sounds like, <laughs> and and it's still you you can still take that watch and you can put it next to you know the, the, the different generations of of a of a, a Rolex GMT the sixteen seventy five the sixteen seven ten sixteen seven hundred etc. until the the most recent with uh, with. Um, with the ceramic, Cerachrome yep. bezel insert, and and of course there are some modern features to a modern uh, Rolex. You know, in 1980 around there, all of a sudden you had a quick set date, and all of a sudden you had a, 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 a decoupled hands, so mm-hmm. you can you can set the times. But the first generation, you only had the bezel, and if you talk about uh, operational bezels, which makes sense for a pilot. You could also mention the, the Breitling Navitimer nineteen fifty two, which was an odd watch because Breitling didn't advertise this watch. They went out to the airfields yeah. with a suitcase and go like, "Hey, we got this." And go like, "Oh, uh, take one, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Which also explains the AOPA logos yeah, for the um, yeah, yeah. for the for the pilots. So it, it wasn't until I think Breitling realized that this uh, turning bezel. With aviation-oriented calculations, uh, the slide rule uh, actually made sense, and pilots started using it. You know, they they could calculate uh, how much fuel do I need to to fill the engine in with in order to go wherever you want to go. It held it, it was like a small calculator on your wrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was brilliant. So. Uh, also, of course, that's a very important watch, but the, the GMT-Master still makes sense, not only for pilots, but if you work or if you travel in different time zones. At a glance on your watch, you will know exactly
0: two different time zones. So that's your number three. Yeah. You have a Rolex, a Patek, and a Global for Yeah, only one independent. But you have them. Uh, how do would you think that the balance would be between uh, wrist time on these watches, which w- watch would you consider your daily beater when you have these three? GMT Master. GMT Master. Yeah.
1: Because its presence is not in your face. Yeah. If you look at the size-wise, it's like 37, 40, 45. So, GMT, Patek, Grable 14.
0: Okay. My number three, if, if I look at wrist time the the two watches I mentioned Acrivia and Urwerk will combined would be I, I guess 20% of my wrist time so I need one other watch for 80% um, and I end up I, I considered the Lange Odysseus <gasps> But he didn't make it. <laughs> was that because
1: we talked about that yesterday? The one I found of white gold? No, which not, not
0: necessarily. But I thought, okay, what, what is the perfect watch in terms of quality, in terms of, of balanced design, in terms of image, in terms of reputation? And I end up uh, having the, the Rolex Daytona one hundred sixteen five hundred 16500 as my daily beater. White or black dial? Uh, white dial. Wow. You with a Rolex. Considering that it's the ultimate top three, it's your grail top three, and you are not able to change afterwards. You have to to, to go for the rest of your life with those three. Then I'm perfectly uh, fine with, with the Indies I choose, but that is not on a daily basis. I need something that is good, that is beyond any question. It's a Rolex. I can't help it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well I mean we discussed about this before that it's actually an independent watch brand. So you know, yeah. Well okay. You you still have three independents on your on your list. True that. True that. <laughs> I'm, so I'm do faithful to myself. So? So do I. You too. Gribal Fosse is independent. I, I actually does Richmond own a tiny little bit? Let's forget about that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna spend the rest of our lives without any of the big groups on our wrist that's
1: very interesting. At least, I think it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. That was a good list. Of I, course, it's uh, purely subjective. Yeah. And um, maybe next week, if you ask us, our top three will be different, but that's what it is. But I think right now it's it's quite sad also for you because I I know you. This will not change dramatically in a year probably. But
1: No, I mean, these have... The The most reason on my dreamland top three is the Grubble Force A, but that was not un- introduced until last year. Yeah. So that's the most reason. The 5970, I've been after for ages. Still, the 65. Actually, I found a 6542, early generation. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not the only one wanting that watch. It's just bloody expensive. But listen, so tonight on Clubhouse at 8 o'clock Central European time, we will, again, uh, just shortly introduce this list. Maybe you didn't uh, listen to the, to the podcast or watch it on YouTube. But we would love you guys, uh, if you join us for uh, After Party Watch Talks tonight at Clubhouse, have your top three ready. And um, as usually on Clubhouse, we will see if you are within the audience. We will ask you to unmute your microphone and we will invite you as a speaker. That's pretty much how it
0: works. That's how it works. It's one big group chat and it's very casual. You can have a beer or a wine or a coffee and uh, let's just discuss our passion for watches.
1: Excellent. Thank you for tuning in. Maybe we will uh, see each other in Clubhouse tonight at 8 o'clock Central European time.
0: Bye-bye